Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Charter School Connection podcast. My name is Jared Bertaldo, and today we're here with Eric Leisky, who is the CEO of Flint Cultural Center Academy. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, uh, Jared. Just really quick, my uh, it's Eric Liskey. I'm sorry. Liskey, okay. Yeah. Pronunciation was off there. My apologies. Um, Good. So, so Eric, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in education. Sure, sure. Well, um, interestingly enough, uh, initially I was not planning to pursue uh, education as a career pathway. Um, I started college with a vision of studying finance and accounting um, due to my parents having a small family business. Uh, I quickly realized that the money I was spending on tuition wasn't teaching me anything that my father had not already prepared me for, at least at those early stages of finance and accounting uh, in, our in our small family business. And I was quickly losing interest and not as focused as I should have been as a, as a student. Um, so I, I took a, a little break in college. Um, and then I, I actually had a fair number of uh, college courses and uh, I was working for my dad um, in this small hardware store. And I think he might've gotten tired of me being around. And uh, he, and he, he uh, talked to our superintendent of the school district that I actually attended. Um, and they were, they were needing some substitutes. And he said that maybe that was a good idea for me to give that a try. And to be quite honest, I, I went up, I signed up to sub, I got placed in a kindergarten classroom for two or three weeks. And, uh, and, and I just got bit. I mean, I loved it. Um, the opportunity to gauge with the students and have an impact on their lives was something unlike I, anything I had ever experienced before. And uh, I mean, I quickly changed my uh, college pathway to, to begin studying elementary education. Um, so I finished up my, my college degree. Uh, and then once I graduated, I was really fortunate that my local school district, um, a traditional public, uh, hired me as a fifth grade teacher. Um, had a blast. I taught uh, fifth grade for four years. Um, in that fourth year, I was approached by the assistant superintendent at the time to, um, to uh, place my focus on administration, which I really hadn't thought about. I went through an administrative academy, and the following year, I was uh, serving as an assistant principal of about 900 fifth and sixth graders. Um, and I did that for a couple of years, and then I became an assistant principal for a middle school of about 900, all in the same district. Um, and then I took over an elementary school with about 650 kindergarten or first grade through uh, fourth graders, um, again in the same district. And then I became the assistant superintendent for uh, curriculum and personnel. In the meantime, I'd received my master's degree in curriculum instruction assessment and uh, was the assistant superintendent for three years. And uh, my uh, kind of surprisingly, my superintendent told me he was going to retire and he thought it was a good idea that I, I um, start prepping to apply for his position. Um, and uh, the board graciously uh, Put me into uh, selected me as the superintendent at this uh, same school district where I spent almost nine years as their superintendent. So about 23 and a half, 24 years in a traditional public school. Um, and then I was approached um, was approached to provide some insight and some and maybe some feedback and have some real unique, critical and creative conversations about a charter school that was gonna open in the heart of Flint, Michigan. 
Um, and, uh, and, and, and at that point, you know, I wasn't a huge charter, charter fan, but I was a huge fan of children. Um, and uh, so I, I eager, was eager to do whatever I could to maybe offer some guidance uh, as the school was being designed and developed. And to be honest, that kind of led into some more conversations and, and a few more conversations to the point where I, I was offered the job to uh, get the school up and running and uh, hire the staff, uh, select the curriculum, uh, get the kids on board and kind of finish the construction of the project. I was attending con uh, construction meetings and we opened this charter school and, and I was hired as the CEO and also assuming um, the, the duties of the school principal in August of 2019. And, uh, and we've been rolling really hard ever since then. Um, as you know, 2019 wasn't the best year to open a school because in March of 2020, we shut down like everybody else. So uh, it's been quite a journey. Um, I've learned a tremendous amount about the value of public charters or high quality public education in whatever community children are in and that they should have opportunities and options to select, you know, choice is a big deal. Uh, if I go to one supermarket and uh, I don't like the customer service or I get home with my chicken spoiled, I might uh, I might decide to go to another one the next time. And we're talking about some of the most important work that anybody can engage in, and that is getting kids ready for their future. Um, and I think parents should have an, an opportunity to, to select. Um, if we're all doing our job right, they'll stay right where they are. Absolutely. And that sounds like a very... Uh a well-preparing pathway that you took to attain the position that you have now. Um, yes, I was very fortunate that I've had a lot of um, a lot of unique experiences in education. Um, the the folks that mentored me um, allowed me to really spread my wings uh, and make mistakes, uh, which I did. Uh, but they didn't allow me to make mistakes that I couldn't recover from. Um, so I learned a lot. And I think that's one of the things, you know, we're, we're not, we shouldn't be teaching perfection in school. We should be teaching kids to be courageous and curious uh, right. where they are really set up to make some mistakes and have those, some of those mistakes can be their, their most significant learning experiences. Um, so I was fortunate to have, have those types of educators in my life and leaders in my life. And uh I think that uh, I think that's been critical to uh, to my educational and career. Would you say there was any a, a particular individual that uh, inspired you to pursue a pathway of education? You know, I would say that there was no individual in terms of educators. I think what inspired me most to be an educator was um, was substitute teaching uh, and see and, and working with kids. Um, you know, I wish I interview a lot of people I've interviewed and hired a lot of educators in my career, and most of them always knew they wanted to be a teacher, had these wonderful uh, school experiences, and, you know, they were teaching stuffed animals if they were elementary kids, uh, if they were elementary certified, you know, they were teaching stuffed animals in their parents' basement as little kids, little boys and little girls. That was not me. Um, I was not connected to school like most of the people that I hire. Uh, I went to school to socialize. I went to school for sports. Um, I did not place a high value on my academics back then. Um, I wish I would have in hindsight, 
but I would say what's been most inspirational to me, um, you know, the the students, number one. But I've I've been so very fortunate to be surrounded by and, and have the opportunity to work with amazing educators in general. And when I talk about educators, I talk about everybody that works in school. So I've worked with some custodians that have taught me some things about how to interact with people and kids. Uh, I've worked with amazing secretaries, uh, amazing administrators, and certainly a tremendous amount of amazing teachers and paraprofessionals that, you know, really where the where the meat of the work gets done is in those classrooms. There's a lot of hands that go into operating sure. a classroom. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a little bit you had mentioned that when you first heard about this charter school that was being opened up you were a big fan of kids but you weren't necessarily a big fan of charter schools is that right sure, sure. What, what what's changed with your view about charters and what why did you like suddenly decide yeah i mean i'm gonna go and join a charter so it, it really wasn't i'm gonna go join a charter for me per se it was i'm gonna have the opportunity to make a difference uh in the lives of children in the Flint community. Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about working inner city in the past. Um, I spent most all of my career, um, you know, like I said, 24 years roughly, in a suburban school district, 12 miles east of where I'm at right now. Um, so it wasn't so much about joining a charter or staying with a traditional public to me. Um, and, and I was really fortunate in my former traditional uh, public school district, we we didn't lose kids. I mean, we were offering a, a, a very high level program for children. When I say program, uh, I'm talking about an educational program, uh, an athletic program, an arts program, um, you know, a STEM-based or STEAM-based program. So we were offering a lot of great opportunities for kids and we didn't really lose children to other school districts. I mean, a few, but nothing to speak of like some schools uh, have experienced. Um, so I, I wasn't, I, I just wasn't really um, that aware of what charter schools were doing or weren't doing. I didn't pay attention to them really. Um, so this wasn't about a charter school per se. It was the opportunity to go to a school and realistically change the trajectory of what public education looked like in the city of Flint. Um, we're not there yet. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, and we continue to say that, you know, this is year five for us. Um, so we had one year, we, first year we, we were learning each other, the curriculum, the students, everything. And then about the time I saw that all starting to, to really meld together and, and go forward, um, we shut down. Uh, and went to virtual um, online platform like everybody else. Uh, year two, we were split. We did some in-person. We did some um, some synchronous, uh, non-synchronous um, learning in year two. Then year three, uh, you know, we had a couple hiccups throughout the year where we had to take a pause, and, and it was kind of more by classrooms. But so year four was the most, most normal year we've had. Um, so we got that a little more normalcy under our belt. So this going into year five, I mean, our theme is our best year yet. Um, this is going to be our best year yet. That's uh, awesome. I'm really excited. We are two weeks into professional development. We start school on Monday, August fourteenth. Uh, so uh, we're we're getting ready for game time. 
So I'd like to ask as an administrator, when you are hiring a new teacher, what qualities do you look for? And how do you know someone might be the right fit for the job? Absolutely. So for me, it's all about relationships. If, uh, if they can build relationships, genuine, positive relationships with kids, that's my first and foremost interest in the right teachers, how I figure who the right teacher is. Uh, people can learn curriculum, pedagogy, assessments, uh, but if they can't connect with kids on a manner that's built on passion, trust, and love, nothing else matters. So it has to start there. And I usually, I think I'm, I've, I've been pretty successful at identifying uh, whether or not the fire is in the belly, the passion is for kids, um, and the rest is learnable. Uh, but if you don't, maybe I'm over overstating this, but you either have the passion for children and want to make a difference in their lives or you don't. And if you do, we can figure out the rest. If you don't, then there's probably a better place for you than the Flint Cultural Center Academy. Right. And we I, talk I, a lot about we talk a lot about crew, um, and crew is that the, there are no passengers at this school. Everybody's a crew member. We all get in the same boat and we all paddle hard in the same directions with our oars in the water. Hopefully, at the same time, going to the same destination, and that is uh, you know meeting the needs of our kids on an individual basis. Yeah, I think that you have a very strong mindset with putting the kids first. And so it's definitely something that you would want to see reflected in your yeah. staff members if you kind of want to maintain that, that view for your school. On a similar level, how have you worked to involve parents in the classroom? So we've, we have work to do in that area um, to get to getting parents in the classroom. We have some work to do. However, I think the way we built relationships with parents, um, we're doing it. We're doing it right. So uh, our our staff are very visible with the parents. Um, you know, at the Flint Cultural Center Academy, um, the parent we don't offer transportation at this point. So we see our our parents every single day in the drop off loop. We have 625 kids, uh, so about 380 families, I believe. That are, that are dropping their kids off every day. And when you pull in at arrival time, you will see 10 to 15 of my staff members out opening car doors, uh, getting kids out of the car, high fives, hugs, smiles, maybe some dance moves. That's every single morning. It's not for show. It's, it's part of who we are. And the same thing happens at night. We put at, at dismissal time. We're loading kids in and telling them to have a great day. We're connecting with parents and bragging on kids and asking for a little help for parents every day. Um, the, the parents at the Flint Cultural Center Academy are so committed and so supportive of what we're doing because I think they see our heart and they, they see that we are here for their children. Um, and it's not just a show. Uh, I've had parents that said, I see uh, when you first started that school and you were out there waving to families and opening car doors, we thought, well, that's going to go away. And then come January when it's snowing and colder than heck, and we still got everybody out there like, okay, these people are for real. Um, it's, 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 it's in us. We have to do it every day. It's not just to go out there and um, be, be outside on those you know, 70 degree, 70 degree days when it's not raining. We're out there in the rain. We're out there in the snow uh, every day, every day. Yeah, and like, that's what parents like to see is, you know, the continued effort. You know, they don't want to see any kind of petering out towards the end or when, yeah, or when. Absolutely. Yes. 
That's and awesome. when and when parents do enter our building, um, they are greeted by uh, a, a office staff that has customer service down to a science. Um, they they intently listen to understand, not to respond. They're even even those challenging times. Uh, they're they're listening, uh, and I think that's huge. Parent parents need to be heard. Kids need to be heard. Everybody needs to be heard um, with an intent to understand where they're coming from. So on the other side of the coin, I guess we talked about the parents. What about the students? How do you find is the best way to inspire students in today's world? Yeah, we need to know them. We need to know their name. We need to know their interests. We need to know their strengths and weaknesses. Um, we need to greet them whenever possible. We see them in the hall. We need to be high-fiving them and, and calling them by name. We need to check in with them. We need to shake their hands. We need to have eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball conversations and know that we're present. They need to know that they're being seen and heard, and, and they need to know that we're present for them. And you can't fake that stuff. Uh, uh, kids, kids are really good at figuring out who's real and who's not. So we need to be real with them. Yeah, it's kind of hard to pull pull one pull a fast one over uh over yeah. over kid when when in terms of like relationships and how you yeah. actually yeah we definitely use a lot of humor with our kids and have a lot of fun with them but it's it's true it's honest it's real um and they know i they know that they have champions here for them that's good i love that honestly uh knowing the kids and having a team of champions so you had mentioned COVID that you started right before the onslaught. And obviously nobody knew in 2019 what was going to happen in 2020. But I'd like to ask you a little bit about hard times that you might have had as a school, possibly other than COVID, um, but certainly the, the pandemic and what, what sort of efforts you made to overcome those challenges. Yeah, well, um, so COVID was definitely a hard time. I mean, it was a hard time for everybody, but there are, take away COVID, there are always hard times when you're trying to do the tough work. So for me, when, when, when it gets tough, uh, I need to remind myself where my, where my spot is. And my spot is going and visiting classrooms. Um, that's where the magic happens. Uh, teachers, I mean, they're educational magicians and they're the ones that are truly making, making the impact on the kids. Uh, so after a few minutes of watching them in action, I'm ready to take on those uh, those tough times again. So really for me, uh, you know, you've got the bookwork, you've got the paperwork, you've got to make sure the budget's good. You've got all of those things um, that get tough, stepping away from those things for, for a few minutes and getting in those classrooms. Uh, number one, there's too much good work happening in these classrooms for the teachers not to hear about it. There's too much good work going on with the kids that they need a pat on the back from somebody other than their teacher. Uh, so getting in classrooms is what uh, really does it for me and gets my juices going and, and makes me realize, okay, yeah, this is why I'm here. Absolutely. And the more kids hear and see you being involved, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's just going to give them more confidence in, in the leadership that they have in the school. Um, and the more trials that we have, sometimes like there can be small day-to-day -day ones like you had mentioned, sometimes they're a little bit bigger, but the more trials that we overcome, the better prepared we are to face trials in the future. 
Absolutely. We just did an interesting, we, I, my, my building principal. Um, so I've been the only administrator at this school up until this school year where right. we've, we've uh, implemented a principal position and an assistant principal position. But the, and, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't our idea. Uh, it wasn't my principal or assistant principal's idea, but they, so they, you know, like we do in education, we steal great ideas and implement them. So we just went through yesterday an activity with our, with our staff, where we had poster board all over in our gym with every kid's name on it. And teachers went around to say, and they checked off whether they knew that student by face whether they knew that child by every child, by name, and if they knew any strengths or weaknesses on their, for them academically, and then if they knew any of their interests. So they did, a, they did a gallery walk and did that for every single student. Now we're going to drill down and see what kids are getting overlooked. That's really cool. And yeah. it kind of like, I'm not going to say like lights a fire under the teachers, but it definitely yeah. can motivate them to be able yeah. to uh, really go above and beyond and know well, the we best as they can. It's it's like I mean education um, is is a personal field, right? And uh, we even when we look at student uh, achievement and growth data, we put names right on that data so that everybody knows. Okay. This 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 student, we know who this student is, and why are why are they not performing the way that they should be performing? Not necessarily achievement wise, but growth wise. Why are they not growing? Or wow, what's look at what's going on with this kid? And we got to make sure that they are getting uh, a lot of accolades for the work that they're doing. And how can we support the ones that are not? But I think it puts makes it a little more personal when you put a name to that dot on a on a on a quadrant graph. Absolutely. Um, so looking back, is there anything that you wish you might have done differently um, in the past, maybe at the start of the school or even before then when you were preparing for it? Absolutely. The one thing that I wish I would have done differently. So I was I was hired in January of 2019. I started uh, the as a CEO of the Flint Cultural Center Academy in January, and we were starting school in August. There was a lot of logistical things that had to be taken care of to get ready for that school year. Um, and I think I let some of those logistical pieces get in front of hiring staff. Um, I wish I would have had all of my staff hired by middle of February and could have put them to work, getting to know each other, building, building that collective teacher efficacy. Uh, with with this crew of educators and then give them some, the curriculum that they're going to be implementing and let them start getting into it. And I didn't get there as soon as I should have. Um, so if I were to do anything over again, and you know we have a vision of a high school and maybe we'll talk about that later, uh, that is one thing that will be high on my priority list is getting that staff hired before kids are here, well before kids are here so that we can build that. I mean, Collective teacher efficacy, you know, is a is a is a huge impact or a huge uh, factor on student achievement and growth. Okay. So building that building that um, that crew of staff members earlier rather than later. Absolutely, and I'm I'm a little curious since you have a, a dual position function at this school, being the CEO and the principal. Would you ever see yourself? 
stepping into being just one or the other. If yeah. you were to be a CEO, would you miss working day to day with the kids? If you were just a principal, you know, would you kind of feel like, ah, like things aren't being done right, you know? Yeah, um, yeah so that's interesting. So th the dual role has been a ton of fun and it was necessary um, until this point. So it was, it, it, I needed to be hands-on when we opened this school. It needed to have my fingerprints all over it. Um, and, and I think we've done a nice job uh, figuring out how to do both. As we go into this new school year, my role will be CEO and or superintendent duties, basically. Um, but I will be I will be on the campus of the school, probably about 50%. Um, I wouldn't be able to be away more than that, I don't think, right now. Uh, so I'll be working, you know, 50% kind of um, supporting my two new administrators. Um, it's both of their first uh, first time in those roles. So, you know, I want to I want to be that mentor and that support that I had when I was going going through uh, going through as a new administrator. Um, we don't know what we don't know. And hopefully, you know, in my 20 plus years as an administrator, um, I can I can identify some of those things that maybe we don't know but that that we can, you know, be there for support. Right. Now, um, when you are looking to move uh, individuals up or, or hire someone for uh, a more like a higher position, sure. do you tend to look from your original crew members or do you usually look from outside yeah. first? So I think I think if an organization is um, is growing and having the um, the focus of the the goals of the school improvement plan, and you know, if they if they understand the culture of the school, then you you look internally. Um, if you're looking to make changes in that culture, uh, then maybe you look for you look outside the organization. Most of through my through my career, most of the administrators uh, that I have promoted have been internal candidates. We've had things going in a good direction. We've found some uh, unique skill sets in these individuals that could probably enhance it in another capacity. Um, and that's what I did here at the at the Flint Cultural Center Academy. I had two educators that joined us when we first started in 2019, and they had showed amazing leadership and commitment to kids. They had that fire in their belly that I love. Um, so they they both have been grown up through uh, through the system. Um, so that's been that's been successful for me. Uh, in my previous uh, school district, I did go outside a couple times, and that was that was uh, that worked as well. Okay, um, so I think I think typically I like to grow my own. Gotcha. So it just kind of depends on like what what the needs are. Yes. Uh, so for anyone that might be stepping into a similar position as yours, or becoming an administrator, or starting their own charter school. What would be some tips or words of advice that you would pass on to them? Yeah, so, um, you know, when we spoke earlier, Jared, we talked a little bit about this and, and I looked at the questions. And um, so leading a school and starting a school are two very, uh, very different roles. Um, the uh, starting a school is is has a lot of challenges. Um, especially starting a school from the ground up. Um, 
Either way, being highly visible, I think is critical and engaged and making sure that stakeholders, all stakeholders know that they have your attention. Um, you know, I wanna, I want, when, when I finish a conversation with somebody, I don't want them to question whether or not I was listening. I want them to know that they were heard and that I was listening not to give a response. Um, so I think that's that's the the key part. Obviously, you have to have those skills and you know and, and knowledge and education, but those uh, social and personal and soft skills um, are what set you up for success. Absolutely, you still have to balance budgets and and such, but yeah, those soft skills um, and having a strong network. I've been so blessed to. Um, have so many connections in education here in here in the county that I work and across the state. Um, I was fortunate to be on the council for the Michigan Association of Superintendents when I was a superintendent. So my my network was pretty broad. I can pick up the phone and call a lot of people and get support or bounce ideas off of. Um, and I've been um, pretty fortunate since joining a charter school that uh, I've been active with other charter leaders. Uh, which has been really helpful too, because there there are some things that are different uh, between the two. Uh, so I think you know having that network and relying on that network, um, you know, staying in touch with those people, and uh, you know, and answering their calls when they call, so that when you when you need to call them, they'll pick up the phone too. Absolutely. Um, this is kind of a, a fun question. I feel like oftentimes we could do a whole episode just based off of this idea alone, but is there anything that you would like to see happen either in the local, state, or federal level of government that might uh, empower charter schools or the public education in general? You know, one thing that really, um, really uh, I wasn't aware of as a, as a new charter school leader is um, in, in Michigan, uh, you know, charter school leaders don't, aren't, aren't, automatically uh, included at the county level superintendents meetings. Um, in, in the previous budget, uh, our governor built into that that, uh, and, and thankfully she did because um, it had to do, you know, the, the COVID challenges were, were tough um, and, and charter leaders were included in those county superintendent meetings. Uh, which was really helpful. Everybody was hearing the same thing, uh, all for the good of all the kids in that county. Um, our governor uh, recently passed a budget that doesn't require that anymore, um, which which makes me a little nervous. Uh, we're all here for kids. Uh, they all need the same. We the the leaders in those schools, whether they're a traditional public or a, a charter school, they all need to hear the same information so that they can make decisions based on the information that they have. Um, I'm hopeful that even though the requirement has been left out of the budget, whether that was intentional or unintentional, uh, that county superintendents see the value for students to allow charter uh, school leaders to attend these critical conversations. Um, I think that's that's right now uh, kind of a big one for me. Yeah, I find obviously, you know, people that are making decisions about policies, they're not on the front lines and dealing and interacting with a lot of the issues that schools, sure. you know, are encountering. So like as much feedback that they can get and, you know, as long as they have their interests and their hearts are in the right place. Mm -hmm. 
it's definitely sure. a challenging a challenging realm yeah i agree so for challenges and issues that we can control what are some current projects that you are working on as a school sure so currently i mean the at the at the highest level for our our you know trying to have a razor sharp focus we're we're focused on uh culture literacy and mathematics uh really represent the three big rocks for our school year we continue to share that it's this is going to be our best year yet um as our first year first four years were pretty tough um but this uh this year i think if if we can continue um which i believe we will i'm confident that we will uh having a real strong focus on culture, literacy, and mathematics, uh, that we're going to see the fruits of our labor uh, with student growth and achievement. Um, we're also really excited uh, as we vision what a Flint Cultural Center Academy High School could provide for our students and families. Um, we're dreaming big at FCCA, and those dreams will have deep impacts on children that carry forward as a legacy for them. Awesome. I... Uh... I really like how you you said your theme for this year is it's going to be the best year ever. I think that that is like a very uplifting and motivating one for the, for the for your teachers and staff members. Um, the next two questions I have are kind of fun ones, but if you were given a magic wand that had just a one-time one-time wish, but anything that you wanted to fix or change would happen, what would what would your you put your wish on? That is an interesting question. I'd prefer it if you'd had said it was a genie and I got three wishes, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but but since I only get to wave the wand once, uh, I think I'd wave the wand and it, it, so that I could ensure that my students were not faced with any more trauma uh, moving forward. You know, Flynn is a tough place, uh, one of the toughest. Uh, the, our kids uh, are survivors, but they need to know they are safe, loved, and they can reach any goal that they set their mind and work towards. Uh, I'd like to wave that magic wand to remove the social, emotional, and academic gap caused by the water crisis and global pandemic and generational poverty. And if I got one more wish, one more wand wave, um, I'd like to find a piece of uh, a parcel of land that I could build a high school on that's really close in proximity uh, to our current school. I like that. Uh, benefit your students and, and grow your organization. Now, if you, the second question that we like is if you had your own personal billboard um, that was in the busiest part of the busiest highway, what would you want uh, your message to the community to be? So like what makes Flint Cultural Academy unique? You frame that in an interesting way. Uh, as I, as I was thinking from our, from our, pre-conversation about today's uh, podcast, it really, it really resonated to kind of our why. And our why is, if not us, then who? Um, and maybe that billboard isn't in the busiest area of our community. So everybody can say, maybe that is somewhere blasted in the school. So we see it every day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really huge on advertising. I think if we do the good work, we don't need to advertise at all. Um, so if we're committed to our why, if not us, then who? Then I think we're fine. If I, if I, uh, if I had to put a 
billboard up in the in the busiest part of our community, uh, it'd say, "Come join the fun." I really like that quote. If not us, then who? I think that's a great attitude to have uh, being an educator. It really is uh, one of the most important things that we can do as a community is to educate and prepare the children for the future. And, you know, if you're not going to do it, like, who is then? And ideally, someone that is of a sound mind and a good, a good spirit that's going to, um, it's going to do a good job and care about the work that they're doing. And after speaking with you, I definitely think that you fit that bill. I think your you. community and your school is very lucky to have someone like you at the helm. Thank you. It's uh, I feel feel pretty privileged to be able to lead this school. Um, Eric, is there any other, we're at the end of our questions, but is there any other funny stories or experiences or something that you would like to share with us? Oh, there are funny stories that happen every single day in every school throughout the country, I'm sure. And and probably some of them you can talk about and some of them you probably shouldn't say anything about. Uh, <laughs> that's one of the great things about working with kids and educators is because every single day is different. Um, you know, kids aren't widgets, they're, they're, they're humans. Uh, and we, they come with their, their own unique and genuine personality. And hopefully we can, we can mold that a little bit to prepare them, uh, for whatever it is that they're passionate about and can be, um, can be successful doing, um, and success is, uh, is certainly an individual thing. So as long as it's successful for them, uh, and they're enjoying it and, and able to live a happy and fulfilled life. I think we've done our job. Gotcha. Um, I actually thought of a question. You kind of just answered it, but for you, what makes you feel like you're, you're being successful? Like what, what, what kind of results do you look for that give that, that give you that feeling like, Hey, I'm succeeding. You know, so when we when we built the school, I was really, really clear with my team that I'd hired that the first thing we have to do is build an amazing culture. Everything else will come after that. We need to build an amazing culture. And I think they 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 bought in. They bought in. And I see the fruits of that. And I'll just use the last three evenings as an example. Um, we had an amazing turnout. So we on Monday night, we had our middle school open house. Tuesday, we had our grades kindergarten, first and second. And then last night, we had grades three, uh, three, four, five. And seeing those kids return to school, and, and we're on a balanced school calendar. So in Michigan, we're starting a little bit earlier than most schools, uh, August 14th. Traditionally, most schools start after Labor Day, although we're seeing a few more trying to do the pre-Labor pre Day start. Um, but seeing my staff getting hugs and high fives and the smiles out of the kids, um, it, was, uh, it, it, it just showed that the culture is moving in the right direction. Kids want to be here. We have an approximately 94% daily attendance rate, which is very strong at any school you look at, but in an inner city school, um, it's exceptional. Uh, and we don't have transportation. 84% of my kids are, have a Flint zip code. We have a high poverty rate. We have committed parents that want something better for their kids. Um, so I think, I, think, uh, I think the culture's the culture's moved in the right direction. Uh, now, the, now the real work is to 
uh, raise those literacy growth scores and math growth scores. Absolutely. I think that's very indicative that the parents believe in, uh, want to support their students, but they also believe in your school. You know, the one thing that we didn't touch on is the unique location of our school. So yeah. our school sits on the, the campus of the Flint Cultural Center. And that cultural center is made up of some amazing institutions. Uh, an interesting uh, fact about uh, Flint, about 85,000 uh, population, and they have these institutions like the Flint Institute of Art, the Flint Institute of Music, the Sloan Museum of Discovery, Longway Planetarium, the Glory Coles Flint Public Library, uh, Applewood Estate. The, the Flint Cultural Center Academy is, is positioned right in the heart of all of those. We're actually directly connected. You don't even have to walk outside to go to the Flint Institute of Music. You don't have to go outside to, to walk into a museum. Uh, so we, we utilize partnerships heavily. So we have partnerships with all of those institutions. My students receive music instruction, dance and theater, band and orchestra through the educators at the Flint Institute of Music. My, my kids receive their art instruction from our educators at the Flint Institute of Art. The museum and the planetarium support my teachers in enhancing those sci the science and social studies curriculum. Uh, we do not have a library in our school, so our kids go across the street to the Flint Public Library. Uh, you know, these resources are, are just amazing uh, spaces for our community, uh, but I'm a little bit uh, selfish that they're also great spaces for my kids. Of course, I think you guys have a unique opportunity to take advantage of things like that. And I think that that is wonderful. And it's all to the benefit of, of the kids. And sure. I know that when I was young, I'd be all over if my school was part like nearby a planetarium, you know, that would, that would be so much fun for me. Um, so having them be able to explore their different interests in the art and in the theater and in astronomy and all of that, that's, that's wonderful. Well, Eric, um, we're nearing about uh, the end of our time. And so I guess if there's anything else that you would like to say, I know I already asked that question, but. You, you know what, I've just enjoyed the opportunity to share a little bit about the Flint Cultural Center Academy. It's a very special place with very special people. Uh, and uh, I'm just uh, each day more and more enthused at where, where this is gonna go. For sure. I think you're doing a good work and that it shows. Thank so, you. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, to all of our viewers, thank you for tuning in with this episode. And we hope to see you next time on the Charter School Connection podcast. Thank you.